Uh, well, do have your Bibles open then at uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1, the end of Colossians chapter 1, uh, and through uh, to Colossians chapter 2. And I want you, as we start to imagine, uh, you are in Colossae, uh, a believer in Colossae. Uh, the gospel has come to you. Uh, it's not the Apostle Paul uh, who has visited, but most likely it's Epaphras uh, who has brought the gospel to the city uh, in Colossae. <clears throat> And life as you knew it uh, has been radically transformed. Uh, You used to uh, worship idols along with the rest uh, of the Roman Empire, uh, perhaps worship the emperor himself. But you've heard the Christian message. You've realized that you are a sinner uh, in need of a savior and you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And life has changed. You've been radically transformed. There's great joy Uh, as you've trusted Christ and you know that your sins are forgiven, but with that joy, uh, there also comes great difficulty and hardship. And the Roman world uh, in which you live, uh, to put it mildly, uh, does not like you uh, very much and sees you uh, as a threat. And of course, we know that uh, in the Roman Empire, there was persecution Uh, for the believers and so you've been converted and you're seeking uh, to live as a Christian there's persecution and difficulty uh, that comes with it Christianity is not uh, an acceptable uh, religion uh, in the Roman Empire and I guess as with all generations as you come to Christ you don't have to have been a Christian for very long before you start to hear of some well-known Christians. And I don't know who you would say are the well-known Christians of today's generation. Perhaps you'd have uh, different ones in your head, but some Christians are very well-known. Their ministry seems to be uh, very wide. And so here you are in Colossae, and you've started to hear then about this man, Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's not been there, you've not met him. Uh, but you've heard about him. And now uh, you have a letter from him. And in fact, Epaphras, uh, the leader of the church, he's gone to visit Paul, and you've been sent this letter uh, by the Apostle Paul. Now, you've never met him, uh, but you've heard about him. This is the one uh, who is so radical and is so extreme uh, in his Christian faith that he's been willing to be arrested for it. He's suffered Uh, for his Christian faith and uh, here he is uh, this person that many would have heard of uh, maybe most in the Christian world would have heard of uh, the Apostle Paul and you've got this letter from him but at the same time uh, you receive this letter there are others who you're also hearing from and others have come into the church and they're starting to teach and they're influential in the church and what you're hearing from these other people who've come in amongst the church it sounds good it sounds when we read it in chapter 2 verse 4 it said they were persuasive words they were persuasive it sounded good they liked uh, what they were hearing from these people and what these people were coming in and teaching was well you can have christ You can have your Christianity, but you can add to it 
all the other things that you want. You can add to it, and as Colossians goes on, you can add to it all the uh, traditional Jewish religion. Now that sounds attractive. Judaism was an accepted religion uh, in the Roman Empire. So have Christ, but have uh, Jewish religion as well. Add more to your Christian faith. In fact, if you do, it will make your life a whole lot easier. Do you really want to be like the Apostle Paul? Look at him. He's radical. He's in prison. Do you really want to end up like him? That could be you if you follow him. Whereas these teachers, false teachers, were coming in and saying, look, you can have Christ, say you trust Christ, but add all kinds of other things as well. And it would have been tempting uh, to go along and to listen uh, to these false teachers. And so Paul, Epaphras, is concerned, goes to see Paul, and Paul writes a letter encouraging them and urging them, as we uh, thought this morning, to hold fast to Christ. And he warns them, and uh, we read it, and if we've got time, we'll look at this uh, at the end in chapter, in verse 6 uh, to 10 of chapter 2. And he warns them and urges them, walk in Christ, beware, don't let anyone cheat you. But why should they listen to Paul and not to these others who are with them, amongst them? Their arguments are sounding good. Why should they bother listening to this Apostle Paul, uh, the one who's been imprisoned, the one who's been shipwrecked, the one who's suffered uh, for his faith? Does Paul really care for them? They've never met Paul. These false teachers are amongst them, sounding good. It's good to the ears. Why should they listen to Paul and not uh, to these false teachers? And so what the Apostle Paul does uh, in these verses, and we read at the end of verse 23, of which I, Paul, became a minister, uh, a minister of the gospel. And Paul then outlines his life and his ministry. And he wants to prove to them, look, you can listen to me. Uh, you can trust me. I'm not with you in person. But you can believe me what I'm saying, because this is what my life looks like. This is uh, my ministry. And what we see then in these verses is a good pattern uh, for Christian ministry. We see the Apostle Paul and how he lived uh, and how he ministered. And if you are a Christian, if you're a believer, you should desire and you will desire to minister and to bless others. We're not just talking, when we're talking about ministry here, uh, we're not just talking about missionaries and pastors and church leaders. It, it includes them, of course. But every Christian uh, is in ministry. You want to bless other people, whether that's your family. You want to be a blessing to them. You want to minister to them. Whether it's your neighbour who you're seeking to share the gospel with, you're wanting to minister and bless them. Uh, you're in ministry. You desire to bless others uh, if you are a Christian. That should be uh, your desire. And what we see here then is a good pattern for ministry. Paul has a warning for them. But if his warning is to be heard, if his message is to be heard, his life must back up uh, his message. 
And so firstly then, uh, at the end of chapter 1, verses 24 to 29, Paul's service for other believers is sacrificial. Paul's service for other believers is sacrificial. And here we see Paul's way of life, his action, uh, as it were, how he lived and how he served uh, other Christians. Notice firstly then he suffers uh, for God's people. Uh, Verse 24, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Here he is in prison. He's never met the people uh, in Colossae. And yet he is saying he's in prison. He is suffering for you, for the Colossians uh, that he's never met. He is suffering for the church. I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. He's willing to suffer for the sake of the church. What does it mean here uh, when Paul says, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ? Christ's work on the cross, Christ's suffering on the cross, well, he finished his work on the cross. There is no more debt to be paid for sin. Christ paid it all on the cross for sin. So Paul is not saying here that somehow uh, he is adding to the work of Christ on the cross and somehow he is paying for sin. That's not uh, what Paul is saying here. Uh, when he fills up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Christ is the one who ultimately suffered for the church on the cross. There is no more left to pay. That sacrifice was complete. It's finished. No need for any more sacrifice. But what Paul is saying here, the church that follows Jesus Christ must follow in his footsteps and suffer as Christ suffered. Jesus uh, himself said, you know, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you uh, also. Revelation. Uh, What's the whole, uh, one of the major themes of Revelation uh, between the first and second coming of Christ? Yes, the church is triumphant and the church uh, is glorious. But the church of Christ suffers in this world. People who seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ suffer. It's not um, adding to the work of Christ on the cross in paying for sin. But a church that seeks to follow in the footsteps of Christ must be willing to suffer uh, for the cause of Christ. And so Paul is saying, look, here I am, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. I am willing to take my part. The church must suffer. And here is Paul, happy that he can play his part in taking some of that suffering uh, that the church must suffer. Why is Paul able to rejoice in his sufferings? If you went out into the world and just spoke to people on the street um, and you asked them all, do you rejoice in all the bad things that happen to you day by day? Well, they think, they think you're mad. They think that's odd. Well, how on earth can you rejoice uh, in your suffering? How is Paul uh, able to rejoice? 
Paul is able to rejoice uh, in his suffering because it is a sign that he is genuine. His faith is genuine. The fact that he is suffering is a sign that his faith in Christ is genuine. And Paul is saying, look, I'm suffering, willing to suffer for the church. I'm genuine. Uh, You can listen to what I say. In Acts chapter 5, Uh, You see the church rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Uh, If you flip over to the previous book uh, in Philippians, I wonder how you'd finish this verse if you were writing it. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him. I wonder how you'd finish. It's been granted to you. What? Well, how does Paul finish? Not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. A Christian can rejoice in their suffering. Paul could rejoice in his suffering. Yes, it's hard. Uh, Yes, there's sadness. But he can rejoice because it is a sign that his faith is genuine. And the church in Colossae could listen to Paul because he's willing to suffer uh, for the church. Now, Extinction Rebellion, uh, they've been in the news um, recently and uh, you might not think very much of uh, their cause and what they do at all. Um, And uh, (laughs) I don't think much of their cause and perhaps you don't, perhaps you do. Uh, But Extinction Rebellion, what you can say about them is it sounds painful, doesn't it? Sort of gluing yourself to various things. They are willing to suffer for what they believe in. You know that they do believe in it. Um, Muslims are willing to die for what they believe in. You might think what they believe in is false, it's rubbish, it's untrue, and it's foolish that they're willing to do that. But what you can say is that they believe in it enough uh, that they are willing to suffer for their message. Well, Paul... Uh, was willing to suffer for the gospel. He believed in it. He was genuine. He didn't flee at the first sign of difficulty. So he suffers for God's people. He is sent by God. His ministry is given to him by God. Verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. God has entrusted Paul with the gospel. God has sent Paul, and Paul's ministry was to go to the Gentiles and take the gospel to the Gentiles and to reveal uh, the mystery of the gospel. Paul's ministry then was given to him by God. It was not Paul's message. It was not Paul concocting his own ideas and thinking, well, I'm going to go and do this uh, because I think it's a good idea. Paul has been entrusted the stewardship from God. He's been entrusted with the gospel and his ministry has been given to him by God. Your ministry, um, whoever that's to, uh, family, neighbours, people that come into the church, whoever uh, you have in your circles that God has given you uh, to be a blessing to, it's been given to you by God. Uh, God has given you Uh, a work to do. 
Now imagine the scene uh, in a home, it's uh, dinner time, and uh, Dad says to the younger brother, he says, uh, go and call your older brother uh, down for dinner. And so up goes the younger brother, and uh, younger brother says to older brother, it's dinner time, you've got to come down. And back down goes younger brother. And you know what older brothers are like? They don't tend to like being told what to do by their younger brothers. And so older brother thinks, I'm not coming down for dinner just because my younger brother said it. And so then dad goes to the younger brother, he says, go and tell your older brother to come back down and make sure he comes. And this time the younger brother says, dad says you're to come down for dinner. And whether the older brother does it or not, you get the picture. There is more authority that second time. It's not just the older brother saying it. Look, dad has said you're to come down for dinner. Well, Paul's ministry, it had an authority. It wasn't just Paul uh, saying what he wanted and doing his own thing. But Paul has been sent by God. He came uh, with God's message. So he suffers for God's people. He's been sent by God. He speaks about the gospel. His message is Christ. Him we preach. Christ. Christ is the message. The gospel is the message. Here is where hope is found. Uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach. Paul's whole ministry was to point to the Lord Jesus Christ and to promote the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul spoke about the life, death and resurrection and the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ was Paul's message. It was not himself. Paul, as he went round uh, the various cities, he didn't proclaim himself. He didn't say, oh, look how great I am, the Apostle Paul. His message was Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. Him we preach, warning every man, warning of hell and judgment to come without the Lord Jesus Christ. Teaching every man in all wisdom, teaching about Christ, teaching that Christ is the Son of God, teaching that Christ is, was perfect as he lived on this world, teaching that Christ went to the cross as a substitute for sinners, teaching that Christ rose again, teaching, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, not himself. His message was the gospel. It was the Lord Jesus Christ was Paul's message. So he suffered for God's people. He was sent by God. He spoke about the gospel. And sanctification was his goal. Him we preach, and in the end of verse 28, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I labour. Paul, as he went round preaching and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, he wanted people to be sanctified to become perfect to become like the lord jesus christ perhaps uh, in your place of work um, you've had health and safety people coming in giving health and safety training and they're sort of external people they don't work for the company and they've been brought in to give some health and safety training and it happens of every two or three years are those people who perhaps spend a morning giving you your health and safety training, are they bothered whether you follow the rules or not? 
Well, maybe sometimes, but probably not. All they're interested in is, well, I've got this training to give. I say what I need to say, and they're then going to move on uh, to the next company. They're not worried about whether you actually do it. Their job is just to do the training, and off they move, and they'll come back in uh, three years' time. No interest uh, in whether you actually practice uh, what they've said uh, or not. Well, this is not what the Apostle Paul is like. Yes, Paul moved from place to place. Yes, he didn't stay long uh, in, in a place, you know, he didn't stay in any place for a very long time. But Paul doesn't just move on and then say, right, we'll leave them to it and not interested in them. Paul isn't just uh, there to, well, I'm going to preach, I'll tick that box. Yeah, some people say they've become a Christian, tick that box, off I move. That's not how Paul did it. Paul preached, but then what did Paul do? Well, just about every letter you read from the Apostle Paul, how does he start? He prays for those people. Uh, He's concerned for them. Uh, He writes letters uh, to the people uh, that he's preached the gospel to. If he needs to leave Timothy in Ephesus, he'll leave Timothy in Ephesus because he's concerned for them. Not just that he goes in, preaches the gospel, tick, move on. No, Paul is concerned for their whole life. Uh, that they become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not out there just to get them uh, to pray some prayer and then move on. No, he wants their whole life. Uh, He wants them uh, to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's concerned for them. Uh, Sanctification uh, is his goal. Now compare that Uh, to the false teachers then who would have been in Colossae and in many of the churches around. Paul, who's willing to suffer for believers. Well, at the first sign of suffering, false teachers, they're out of there, uh, into the next city. False teachers, obviously not sent by God. Uh, They're preaching their own message. They don't speak of Christ. They speak of themselves and they promote themselves. And their goal is certainly not the other people's sanctification. Their goal uh, most often is to line their own pockets. And Paul is saying, look, you can trust me. You can listen to my warning. You can listen to what I say because I'm genuine. I'm willing to suffer. I'm concerned for you. You know, I'm sent by God. I speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a genuine uh, minister of the gospel. So Paul's service for other believers is sacrificial. And secondly, uh, Paul's interest in other believers is indisputable. Paul's interest in other believers is indisputable. And here in chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, really we see Paul's inner desire for other Christians and his inner desire, how he thinks about them in his heart of hearts. Here is Paul, he's watching uh, from afar and he says, look, I've got this great conflict, I've got this great struggle uh, for you, I'm longing for you. Uh, Those of you that have not seen me uh, in the flesh, I'm afar from you, I'm away from you, uh, but I am concerned for you from afar. Uh, Perhaps you know the feeling of watching your child in uh, sports day and you can't run the race for them 
but you're there on the sideline, you're, you're longing them, you're willing them to do well, and you're sort of all churned up inside as they're taking part, and you're, you're hoping that they do well, you're longing for them uh, from afar. Or perhaps you have a sports team that you like to watch, and you don't know any of the players on that team personally, uh, but when you're watching them play, it's tense, and you're churned up, and you're struggling, and you have... You don't know any of the team personally, but you're longing and you're willing them on uh, as you're watching them. Or perhaps it's not uh, sports you like. Perhaps you like watching the Bake Off or something like that. And there's, there's someone on the Bake Off that you've, you like and you want them to win. And there's someone that you don't like and you don't want them to win. And you're watching and it seems to all be going wrong. And they seem to do quite well at making it quite tense, uh, these programmes. And they put on dramatic music and... You're watching from afar, you've never met them, but there's a yearning and a longing uh, inside you. You want that one to do well and you hope it turns out well for them. Uh, well, here is Paul, uh, far more serious than any uh, sports day or sports team or uh, TV show, quiz show or game show. Here is Paul. Uh, he's never met them. He's looking on from afar. And he's got this struggle inside them. He is longing uh, that they do well. He's longing uh, that they grow to spiritual maturity. He wants their maturity. What is it uh, that he's longing for? He wants them to be encouraged. He wants them to be knit together in love. He wants them to attain to all the riches of full assurance. Uh, He wants them uh, to know Uh, All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He wants them uh, to be mature, complete. He wants them to grow uh, as Christian believers. He wants maturity, spiritual maturity, for those believers in Colossae. I wonder, is that how uh, you think of other people as you look at them? You're willing them to do well. And you can almost picture it here, can't you? Paul, uh, he hears, oh, they did something loving. And he rejoices, he smiles because, oh, they've loved each other more. And then perhaps another time, oh, they're discouraged. And Paul is discouraged as well because they're discouraged. uh, And he's feeling everything uh, with them. Is that how you... Uh, view other Christians. You long that they grow uh, into maturity. You long uh, that they grow up into completeness. You want them to do well uh, in their Christian life. Sadly, uh, all too often, uh, perhaps you know this, um, this feeling, you don't want them to do too well because you want to look like a good Christian. And if that believer If they really grow up, they might look like a better Christian uh, than you do. And it's our own sinful nature, sadly, so often uh, getting in the way. We want ourselves to look like a good uh, Christian believer. And so we don't want others to do too well. Uh, But here is Paul, not like that at all. Uh, He's longing that the Christians in Colossae grow and mature uh, into the people that they should be. He wants them Uh, to do well. He wants them to love. He wants them to be encouraged. Uh, He wants them to have all the riches um, that are in Christ. So he desires their growth. 
but then as well he delights in their faith. He says, look, now I say this, don't be deceived, lest anyone deceive you with persuasive words. Even though I'm not with you, I'm absent in the flesh, I'm with you in spirit, I'm not with you in person, but my desire is for you, I'm longing for you, and I rejoice uh, when you do well. I rejoice to see your good order. When I look at how you live, and you live uh, in a way that commends the gospel, you live uh, as if Christ has died for you, and you want to live in the light of that. When I see uh, your good order, I rejoice. When I see your faith in Christ, and that you're trusting him, I rejoice. And he delights uh, when they remain faithful to their saviour. Steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Even when persecuted, even when suffering, even when going through hard times, even when others are teaching that they need more than Christ, Paul rejoices when he looks at them and he hears of them and he sees that their faith in Christ is steadfast. Paul's inner desire then, and we see his service is sacrificial, his actions, the way that he lived, showed that he was genuine. His interest in other believers then is indisputable, his inner desire, he wants them uh, to do well, he wants them to grow uh, into maturity. And so he comes to warn them. Uh, and very briefly, Paul's caution then to other believers is clear. And it's only now, after he's established, that he is a genuine, he is genuinely concerned for them, uh, that he then warns them. Because if they are to heed this warning, they have to know that Paul's life backs up uh, the message uh, that he will give. And so here is the warning. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. <coughs> and then verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. Paul says, keep going. And it was the message again this morning. Keep walking in Christ. Keep going in Christ. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Keep holding fast to Christ. Don't move on from Christ. Never tire of hearing the gospel. What is it that will bring you joy? It's thankfulness for Christ. What enables you to live a holy life? It's thankfulness for Christ. And as you think of what Christ has done on the cross, and you think about how he uh, demands that we be holy out of love for what he has done, what enables you to suffer and go through difficult times? It's thankfulness for Christ as you think on Christ. Walk in him. Don't let anyone cheat you. If anyone is not drawing you closer to Christ, they might say they're a Christian, they might claim to be a Christian, but if they're not drawing you closer to Christ, it's false religion. Wherever there is true Christianity, there is also fake. Uh, the devil will bring in a false religion as well. Anything that makes Christ less important is false. It's fake. It can be subtle. It can say, look, 
You can have Christ, but if you really want to be a good Christian, uh, you need to give a bit more money. Uh, You know, and many of these false teachers won't completely disown Christ. You know, Muslims say, they say, oh yeah, we think highly of Jesus. He's a prophet. But they've lessened Christ and it's false. JWs, as we said this morning, they say, yeah, Christ is important. But they say he's not God. It's false. They've lessened Christ. Catholics might say, well, yeah, we believe in Christ. We believe he even died on the cross for us. But you still, there's more to do for your salvation. It's lessened Christ and it's false. You know, even Christians, so-called Christians can say, look, the revelation that we have of Jesus Christ is not complete. We've got more to add. God has spoken through me as well. Well, it lessens Christ and it's false and it's cheating you. Beware, don't let anyone cheat you. It might look good, it might look appealing, but it's false. Uh, You can't have anything uh, more than Christ. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him. Christ is the one that makes you complete you can have no more than the lord jesus christ anything that lessens christ is false so paul here uh, he has a ministry Uh, he preaches the gospel he's warning uh, these colossians but paul's ministry must be credible if paul was to be listened to his life his desire must back up uh, the message that he spoke. And if you are to be a blessing to others, if I'm to be a blessing to others, people must be able to look at your life and say, well, what they say is backed up in how they live. The way that they live, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, through to Saturday, not just on Sunday, not just when they come out and meet with Christians, if you are to bless other people, the way that you live must back up uh, what you say. Sacrificial uh, love for others. You must care for those that you're seeking uh, to be a blessing to. That was Paul's way of life. And he was able uh, to warn these believers in Colossae, having assured them that he was genuine. He did care for them. So if you want to bless others, Make sure that your life, your inner desire, uh, matches the message uh, that comes from your lips.